Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. Never get tired of that. It is 531 on your home of the Fighting Irish in next week's NCAA tournament. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Hall of Fame basketball coach. Of course, we were so lucky to have him at Bethel College for so many years. Mike Lightfoot, a retired basketball coach now, but still travels across the country talking to coaches and spends a little time doing some TV analyst work for Notre Dame games early on in the season. Of course, he has known Mike Bray for I guess 23 years since Mike started here at the University of Notre Dame. And, of course, Mike wrapped up his tenure Tuesday, losing to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. Coach Lightfoot, always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you today? Well, I didn't know if I could get autographs from Cooper. Do you know any way I can get some autographs of Cooper winning that sectional at Mishawaka? Are you his agent? Well, I tell you what, you've got to get Arthur Jones and Rashawn Johnson and Brady Fisher's autographs too, because man, they they played their hearts out and so happy for the whole team, Coach. It's it's pretty cool, you know, winning a sectional for a lot of teams is no big deal, but when you haven't won one since '86, it's kind of a big deal. No, that's wonderful, you know. And so, hats off to Mishawaka Caveman because uh, that has been a, a great story and. Uh, that's a great gym to play in, and uh, uh, that's, uh, looking forward to see how they do Saturday. You bet. I'm going to have to introduce you to our head coach, Bodie Bender. I think you guys would have some really fun conversations. So we'll, we'll get that going here very, very soon. But my goodness, Mike, Notre Dame basketball without Mike Bray, it's almost hard to imagine after we've watched him for 23 years. He kind of yeah. introduced us to four out, one in opening up the floor. He's, I mean, he's part of the change in college basketball and the NBA with the way he, he put offenses together. But let me just start with this. Your personal relationship with Mike Bray, you had the chance to coach against him once in an exhibition game, which was so cool when Bethel played Notre Dame. But away from the basketball court, you have known Mike for such a long time, and I'm not sure there are many people that you can have in a more enjoyable conversation with than Mike Bray. That is so true, and, you know, I absolutely love Mike. Um, I just uh, love the way that he had come to Notre Dame and put his fingerprints all over uh, that program. You know, I think lots of times we see a, a tough year that they've had like this year, but you don't see all the things that he has done. You know, it was a 10-year gap before he got to Notre Dame that they weren't even getting into the – the NCAA tournament and uh, you know right away he was able to get that thing turned around and uh, he spoiled us with a lot of success early and then he just kept it rolling with some great teams 
and making that transition from the Big East, the ACC, and all the things that he was able to accomplish. Uh, he, I love Mike Ray, and I, I love our relationship, and uh, uh, it's going to be a lot different without seeing him on the sidelines. How do you think he changed Notre Dame basketball, Mike? Because as you referenced, there was a 10-year drought of making the NCAA tournament. Now, inheriting Troy Murphy is a pretty good place to start, but you also have to change the culture, and he had to, I think, change the way Notre Dame basketball had been played. Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes to how he just understood his place in the coaching ranks at Notre Dame and almost went stealth in a way to just build a program without really complaining. Uh, if you look back at his early years, up until recently, you know, the conv- Convocation Center has kind of been worn out, the ugly seats and, uh, and the stuff like that, and the practice facility and the pit. There was a lot of things that he could have complained about, but he's just the type of person that says, you know what, I'm going to do with what I have, and we're not going to complain. We're going to keep working at it. And so, you know, both himself and Muffet just simply said, we're going to, we're going to make something uh, special and we're going to, we're going to be able to adapt to this environment. And I think uh, part of Mike's legacy is just being willing to to adapt to what his teams could do to the burnt offense that we (laughs) saw for years. Uh, Everybody kind of forgot about that. You know, all of a sudden they, they went to the burnt offense and the four one, and then his, uh, his last few years of the really five-out uh, swing offense. And uh, I think all those things have uh, captured him because he's been resilient over 23 years. That's a long time for a college basketball coach to be anywhere. Coach Lightfoot, I've always joked that I thought that Pittsburgh head coach Jamie Dixon left there for TCU to get away from the burnt offense because he had no luck. Every time Mike put that against Pitt, they couldn't do anything. (laughs) He he hated it. I mean, but again, that's just great coaches have to adapt to their talent or injuries or things like that. And uh, the thing that I was always impressed with as I watched Mike's teams over the years how because he was a loose, very loose in his coaching, he was also able to get the players to play above their abilities. Uh, they played with a confidence that when they came on the floor, they were going to hit shots, they were going to make shots, and they were going to make plays, and they did. Uh, and because of that coaching mentality, hey, I believe in you. I'm not going to make it very difficult for you to understand the things I need to do. We're going to do those well. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, because of that, he, he just had a tremendous run here at Notre Dame. Hall of Fame coach Mike Lightfoot, my guest on WSBT Radio. I was actually talking to my son about this recently, how the NBA has changed from the standpoint. I remember when Purvis Ellison was the number one pick in the draft, maybe in 86, something like that, coming out of Louisville. That type of big man now probably doesn't even get drafted, Coach. I mean, you look at Kofi Coburn, who played at Illinois, this big 7-foot, 300-pound guy who might have been the number one pick in 86 with the style of play back then, but now it's big guys getting out on the perimeter, getting away from the basket. You see guys hitting three-point shots like it's no big deal. And you look at what Mike did with the four-out, 
one inside offense or even yes. five out this year. I'm not saying he yes. revolutionized the game, but he was one of the individuals, Mike, if I'm not mistaken, that kind of went that direction and stuck with it, and now we see it all across basketball. No, he did. He started that because he saw his team was not going to be able to land a huge, big-time, you know, Notre Dame academics, the, the structure that you have in, in recruiting. He was not able to do those things. So he went out and got shooters, and he found and could place them in different places on the floor and almost dragged the big from the other team out away Mm -hmm. from the basket so they could drive more and shoot the three. And he really was one of the very first in college basketball that said, hey, I'm going to use what I can do at Notre Dame. We're going to shoot the three well. We're going to make our free throws, and we're not going to foul, and we're not going to turn the ball over. And he went with that philosophy. And so for years, they were first in the country in free throw percentage, first in the country and fewer turnovers. And, you know, they, they did a great job of, of, of just playing good, solid defense, and that won him a lot of games. But he, he was responsible for, you know, the shooting around the perimeter and, and developing guys that could do that. Coach, I know throughout your tenure, winning over a thousand games, there were coaches that watched what you did and tried to copy that, or they took things from what you did and installed that in your basketball team. Through your time watching Notre Dame or sitting around chatting to Mike Bray, can you think of one or two things that you possibly stole from Mike or kind of grabbed it and used it a little bit with what you had already established? which was a great basketball program at Bethel College. Yeah, there was a couple things that just jump off right away, Darren. You know, uh, when, when they first started setting a lot of uh, ball screens, uh, before everybody ran the Bob Knight uh, motion offense, mm-hmm. and you didn't think about setting a ball screen. But then uh, coming over to practice uh, back in probably 97, 98, all of a sudden, he was having his big set of ball screen and then pop out for a three. And I thought, wow, that's a unique situation. So the pick and the pop, that is now, you see it every day. Uh, but in the late 90s, you didn't see anybody doing that. But he was setting ball screens on the perimeter for his three-point shooters. But then the real shooters were the bigs that were popping out and getting shots. And so, you know, that carried through with even John Mooney and others who – I uh, got very, very good and comfortable with the pick and pop. And then the other thing that he has done really well over the years is mixed up his defenses. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, their little 2-3 matchup, they made some different wrinkles in it here recently. But his 2-3 matchup and, ma- and matching that up with man-to-man, uh, going uh, uh, to a 2-2-1, pull back to the zone, those are all little wrinkles that uh, made you realize that they were – trying to shorten the game by forcing people to walk the ball off the floor against the press and then fall back into a 2-3, and they didn't have as much time to run their zone offense. So those two things I took from Mike back in the, in the late, uh, late 90s that really helped me for the, the next 15 or 20 years of my coaching hmm. career. Very interesting. I just can't imagine, Mike, that Coach Bray is done at this point. He's 63. He could retire. He could hang out at the the summer house and and just kick his feet up and do nothing. But he is a teacher at heart, and I know he still loves the game. I would have to imagine maybe he does a year of TV, which he would be fantastic at, by the way. And then we don't – I think we probably see Mike back on the sideline at a major program sometime down the road. What do you think? 
you know, that doesn't surprise me. I think he left that uh, door open. Uh, you know, he, he has very been very vulnerable and shared that, you know, he was, you could tell that he was tired, that the team did not meet the expectations. Uh, it was obvious that if you're at a point as long as he was, that eventually, you know, uh, you need to hear another voice. You need to hear another, have another direction. And so I think Mike was feeling that. Uh, it's very hard. I think Lou Holtz said it best. It's very hard to maintain success once you achieve it. And I think that was part of the thing is, you know, you get this thing rolling and it only takes a few key injuries and somebody jumping in the NBA and all of a sudden your your team is is not the same that you you thought you had earlier. So I see that uh, he, he will probably take a year off, maybe two, if he, if he enjoys broadcasting or if yeah. the right place did some, you know, I think it, he he wants to get away from the, the cold northern Indiana weather, but I, I would love to see him back at uh, out in the, the East Coast someplace where he feels uh, more comfortable for sure. Hey, we all loved Mike Bray press conferences because you never knew what you were going to get. But if he gets into TV, they may have to put on the seven-second delay because I've had to do a little editing oh, through yeah. the years <laughs> so, oh, yeah. to make yeah, it to no, make it arable. There's, 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 there's going to have to be a delay. There's going to have to be a delay because you really never know. You know, some of my favorite thoughts are him coming into the locker room in the Maui Classic. Uh, oh. You know, you know with. And, and him dressing, I mean, he, he looked like he just came off the beach. But, you know, I think that they recognized that, it, it, you know, his players played loose yeah. because he was loose. And, you know, that, that was something very difficult for me to adapt to, that he just automatically was able to let things roll. And, you know, he uh, his practices, I was a grinder. I wanted to go a long period of time. And, and he, he would go an hour and feel like that's enough. Our guys are ready to play. Yeah. We're going to save them, keep them mentally focused. And, you know, all those things are things that now coaches are rethinking rather than burning their guys out. Uh, he set the tone by saying, no, we're going we're gonna to play hard, practice hard, and then we're going to get out. And uh, that was just his mentality and everything he did. Hall of Fame coach, Mike Lightfoot, my guest. I want to ask you about a couple other subjects really quick, Coach. Purdue's having a magical year. I'm not a Purdue fan, but I love Matt Painter, and I love what he does each year with that Boilermaker basketball team. They've had a fantastic year, but I'm going to give you a a yeah but going into March Madness. Coach, my big concern is as much as I enjoy watching Fletcher Lawyer and – Braden Smith play. They've done so well offensively. I think we have seen teams hone in on those two guards and put them in uncomfortable defensive situations. And and they've had some trouble guarding off some pick and rolls. I have a feeling with how much basketball is a copycat game that a lot of teams are going to do that pick and roll against Purdue. And I think they might have their hands full. Your thoughts? Am I overthinking it? Yeah. No, no, you're 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 right. I think the other thing that's happened with the two freshmen is that uh, early they weren't turning the basketball over, but because of teams uh, recognizing that they can pressure them and force them possibly to the baseline or get them up in the air and leave their feet, make bad decisions, uh, that has hurt them. And and now you're seeing that their uh, teams are really staying with the double on Edie and really mm-hmm. forcing somebody else to hit shots and. You know, I think you're exactly right. Can those two guys adapt in a tournament? We have seen over the years that freshmen struggle when it comes time for post-tournament play. 
everybody forgets about how much time and energy these kids have put into the game as freshmen in college where in high school they played 20 games. And, you know, that, that was a regular season. But in the Big Ten, it's so demanding. And I think a lot of it with those two freshmen could be more mental than anything else. So, you know, I think you've got to see other people step up. Uh, they've got some veterans on that team mm-hmm. that can, can handle it. And you're going to have to have those guys uh, step in there and, and play a lot more minutes for sure. And I guess with the parity in college basketball, I think every team goes through their inconsistent phases. It's just there's so little difference between so many teams that you're going to have some ups and downs throughout a season. And Indiana's had their fair share. But with Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis, it seems like, Coach, if you get both of those two going at the same time, despite maybe some other deficiencies, this team has a chance to have a pretty good march. What are your thoughts on Indiana? No, I, I agree. I think that if they can uh, continue to hit perimeter shots, and like I said, you, again, you're talking about a phenom freshman guard, and if he can hit shots and play like he did, especially against Purdue, and, and, and hit that perimeter jump shot that, that he is known for, uh, those things can make them very, very tough to beat because they do have some depth. And they, you know, they do have some guys that, with experience. And, you know, we love to, to watch Trey Galloway play extremely hard at both ends. And he's shooting the ball better this year. So I think the combination of those gives both Purdue and IU. But who knows, Darren, if you look at the, the guys that are playing the teams that you, you really can't pick a team right now and say they, they are the team. Kansas, maybe. Yeah, you know, but then you keep looking around and there's, other teams that uh, are, seem like they're on a roll, but then all of a sudden they get beat. So uh, this could be a absolutely crazy march when it comes to uh, national tournament time. Well, the Big Ten tournament's trying to do that. The first four games, the lower-seeded team has won, and that's never happened in the Big Ten tournament before. So the craziness has already started. And one final question for you. I'd love to hear how things went for your son Ryan, his first year at Western Carolina in the Southern League. And I know they've got some good teams. Furman is a really, really good team that I've seen a couple of times this year. Greensboro, I know Chattanooga was down this year, but they almost beat Illinois in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. But Western Carolina looks like they had an okay season. They had more than an okay season. You know, they lost a heartbreaker to Furman on ESPN the other night in overtime. Mm. Uh, they had they had two shots to win it, and it just didn't happen. But uh, Ryan is loving it. Uh, Coach uh, uh, Gray is just a- amazing to have him as the head coach who played at Wake Forest, scored over 2,000 points at, at Wake Forest. Mm. And Ryan has learned a lot, and him and Justine love the – the uh, area that they live in the Smoky Mountains. But, yeah, they've won 18 games, uh, and they're going to continue to play. Um, Their team, they have everybody back next year. So they're playing in a college basketball invitational that's uh, one that, you know, it still kind of goes on where they look for teams that uh, have a lot of youth. And so, uh, you know, they're just uh, making sure that they keep these guys focused and and ready for some postseason play that they can jump into – uh, some even better things next year. They finished fourth in the league, and that's a uh, biggest accomplishment they've had in probably 15 years at nice. Western Carolina University. So what you're telling us is buy Catamount merchandise now before it goes up yeah. in price. Get it. Get the Catamount cat stuff. We call them purple cats. 
and uh-huh. get get Purple Cat stuff going because yeah they they've got things kind of on a roll and uh, uh, they beat Furman once and they had it they had them on the ropes again uh, so they they've done extremely well and uh, we're really proud of them. That's awesome. Can I sneak in one more question? Yeah, I've kept yeah. you for too long. I apologize. I'm retired, <laughs> no, I'm retired. Remember, I don't have to go. I'll be going out to Kansas City for the NII National Tournament and nice. and then the Final Four. So I I I I've got plenty of time, Darren. I think fans I don't w- want to talk about the Cubs. I don't <laughs> want to talk about the Cubs. So. Well, you never know. Cody Bellinger hit his first home run as a Cub. Who knows? They might be the Cinderella of baseball this year. Let's build uh, yeah, them up, Coach. Let's build them up. The Missouri Valley tournament, you know, oh. was right there in St. Louis. Oh. I had to walk by that Cardinal place. <laughs> what do they call that? Bush, oh, Bush, Bush League Stadium. <laughs> like yeah, it's something. It's something like that. Yeah, but I love the Missouri Valley as a kid. I watched that that conference all the time. I remember Hersey Hawkins wow. with Bradley. I mean, that was good stuff. And this conference with Belmont and Murray State now, oh. it is. It's yeah. just brutal. It is brutal. And, you know, the thing I was just so impressed for people that don't know, the crowd support for yeah. those teams is unbelievable. Drake brings, I mean, everybody brings uh, a great fan support. They love their Missouri Valley basketball. So it's a great venue for sure. Yep, no doubt. So here's my question. I think Irish fans okay. would like to at least have your best shot to answering this question, you know, Jack Swerbrick's going through the process of hiring a new basketball coach. It's tough right now because so many coaches are still active. Are there a couple of traits that you would be looking for if you were Jack and hiring the next Notre Dame basketball coach? Because the job is a little different than most of the big-time college jobs across the country. Yeah, because uh, let's face it, the – Big-time programs, the NIL money is just absolutely nutso right now, and I think that's why we're seeing more and more older coaches getting out of the game because of NIL and and the, and the portal has created a whole other dynamic. And let's face it, it's very difficult to get uh, someone in the University of Notre Dame uh, in the portal, but I think it would be the best interest to find somebody that's uh, a little savvy, that's been a head coach, that knows how to navigate through the academics and the portal and finding the right fit of guys that can come into Notre Dame. Uh, so I, I would love to see them uh, get a young coach that has had some success at the Division One level and, uh, and have some success at, at building the program where it's going to be back to, back to uh, getting into the tournament every year. Uh, so this. I think that that's what they'll look for, yeah. But I would like to see uh, – a young lion, if there's one out there that's had some success early and can bring that environment to South Bend and, and, to, the, and to the arena. And uh, I think people uh, would enjoy uh, seeing a young guy with uh, uh, dreams and goals to do some great things at Notre Dame. I wish that guy that's at Penn State now that's been around these parts was still an assistant coach. He would be a really good fit. Shrewsbury? Micah. Yeah, yeah Micah, of course, coached uh, USB. Yeah. And so, uh, and so, yeah, Micah would be a, a great type of an individual. I don't know if you can get him away from yeah. Penn State, but he would be on my list, no question, with uh, the background he's had in Boston Celtics. So we've seen a lot of people now look at the NBA uh, mm-hmm. uh, and say, hey, there's something out there. I use went that way. Uh, you see a lot of blend in that area. So 
Michael is with the Celtics uh, with Brad Stevens. He's been at Purdue, uh, and now he's, he's really turned the program around at Penn State. So that would be the type of individual that I'd yeah. love to see at Notre Dame. He's at the top of my list, but my list isn't very important, that's for sure. And, and Coach, thanks for <laughs> thanks for doing this today. I, I really, really appreciate oh, no it. Problem. I've wanted to have oh, you on a couple it. of times during the season. I go on Facebook, and you're out in this place and okay. that place on the road and didn't want to bother you, but I'm glad it worked out today, and maybe you'll allow me to, to bug you again when the tournament gets started. Yeah, let's get ready for that tournament and then the Final Four in Houston. I hope we can – have uh, Purdue or IU or some local school that's going to be down there at the Final Four. That would be a lot lot more fun for me. Absolutely. Coach, all the best to you and your family. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, go Caveman. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it very much. The Hall of Fame coach, Mike Lightfoot, joining me here on WSBT. It's 555. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 